Well, church family, uh, one year ago exactly, Elder Hunt was here presenting my wife and myself and praying over us. So how time flies. It's my first anniversary with Garden Faith Community Church. So what a blessing, what a blessing. I love you guys, and I just praise God for the privilege of serving this awesome church. So, yes, time flies. <laughs> well, today uh, we're going to be studying a biography in the Bible. You know, there's many biographies in the Bible with immortal lessons for us. And all because God wants to accomplish what Romans 15.4 says. You remember what Romans 15.4 says? If you can't look it up, it says, For whatever things were written before were written for our learning, that we, through the patience and comfort of the Scriptures, might have hope. So that's what God wants. When we study these Bible stories and these uh, different characters in the Bible, what He wants to do is through the patience and comfort of the Scriptures, give us that hope so that we can continue in God's path. So with that being said, today we're going to be studying a Bible character and his name, Jacob. Jacob. Okay, so let's see how good you guys are in what you've read about Jacob. So who was Jacob? He was the second of the twin sons of whom? Isaac and? Rebekah, okay. And what does his name mean? Okay, well, one of the meanings is uh, one that follows another's heels. Actually, he grabbed his big brother's heels as he was being born, right? Uh, but another meaning is deceiver. Deceiver. And well, Jacob uh, showed himself to be shrewd in his dealings with his impatient and passionate brother Esau when he was hungry. Remember when he came back from hunting and he didn't have anything to eat? And so Jacob took advantage of that situation. And with fraudulent intentions, persuaded him to trade his birthright for a bowl of lentils. Also, Jacob and his mother, Rebekah, they co-conspired to acquire by deception, by deception, that birthright blessing from Jacob's father, Isaac. It was close to his death. You know, he was an old man. He was, he was aged. And by the way, let's just mention something really quick about the birthright. Why was that a big deal? Well, I'll mention just three things because there, this could be a sermon by itself. But the leadership and worship of the house was placed on this person. In other words, the leadership in worship and the leadership of the whole family was part of that birthright. Another thing, a double portion of the family's inheritance was given to this person. A double portion. And in this particular case, the right to the covenant blessings of God that he had promised Abraham, which all nations would be blessed. You remember that? That was part of that birthright blessing. So th this was a huge thing. Okay? Now, Jacob specialized in deceiving. But then he got deceived. Do you remember that? You know, because we reap what we sow. That's a, that's a law of, of our life. And so, after successfully acquiring the blessing of that birthright from his father, he began to fear because his brother said, I'm going to kill you, bro. I'm going to kill you. I'm going to get rid of you. And so what happened? His mother, 
gave him counsel, got, a, got some advice from his mom, got also a recommendation from his dad that he should leave and go to a foreign country where they had an uncle named Laban. You got to leave. So he fled to the land of Haran. And there he was to find a wife. Yes, he fell in love with Rachel. So he told his uncle, I'll work seven years for her. So he worked seven years. Wedding, wedding day came. Surprise. His uncle didn't give him Rachel, but the older daughter, Leah. And so now he worked another seven years for the love of his life. And well... Laban had deceived Jacob, so now he knows what deception feels like. And well, as, as the story continues, eventually uh, he proceeded to build his family. So let's talk a little bit about his family. He had six sons of, of Leah, two sons from Leah's maidservant, two sons from his wife's Rachel's maidservant, and two sons from Rachel. A total of 12, where we get the 12 tribes of Israel, right? So these were the 12 sons. So after working another six years, so how many years have gone by now? 20. Okay, 20 years. So he decides to go back home, and God had directed him to do so. So he wants to go back to his father's house, so he leaves. Uh, like I said, 20 years had gone by since he left as a fugitive. So on his return, Jacob was visited by angels. And I guess it was like a sort of a welcoming party, you know, welcome to the promised land or whatever. So uh, Jacob sent his messengers to try and win his brother's favor because his brother found out that he was coming back home. And so he sends the messengers and he says, you know, uh, Jacob has done well. He's not going to take anything away from you. I mean, he's been blessed. Well, uh, huh, things didn't go well. Uh, he became aware that his brother was coming with 400 soldiers. <laughs> so that's not a good thing. Uh, so when that happens, you know, he, 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 he tries to give this peace offering and, and greetings uh, to his brother. He, he sent his family ahead of him so he could spend some time in prayer and communion with, with the Lord. And then he was visited by another angel. But this was not just any angel. It was the angel of the covenant. In other words... Jesus Christ himself, which several times in the Old Testament, he, he took human form. And so he showed up, and you guys remember that wrestling match <laughs> that evening, okay? Uh, Jacob could not, uh, you know, he didn't know who that person was that was wrestling with him. And he couldn't uh, overcome Jacob. Imagine an angel couldn't overcome Jacob on purpose, okay, so forget that, that was something that was planned by God. So he touched his hip and caused it to be wretched, and from then on, well, he had this limp to remind him about that, that wrestling match. Now, Jacob refused to release the angel until he was what? Bless. I'm not going to leave you, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. So that's when Jacob's name was changed to Israel. You guys remember what Israel means? One who struggles with God. Okay? So when Jacob resumed his journey home, he met up with his brother Esau. And then you know what happened because he had sent a dream to Esau and calmed him down. And so when they met, everything was friendly. And, you know, they 
They had a really uh, good relationship through the remainder of their lives. Uh, then later on, Rachel dies during the birth of their last son, uh, Benjamin. Uh, shortly after, Jacob suffers, suffers another grief when he believed that his favorite son, Joseph, had been killed by some wild animals, which, of course, that was not true. His brothers had sold him as a slave. So later on, we see that there's famine. There's a severe famine in the land, and Jacob sends his sons to Egypt to acquire the much-needed food. And after all those events, Jacob ends up in Egypt. And he is reunited with his long-lost son, Joseph, who by God's providence had become what? Governor of Egypt, the most powerful empire at that time. So there he was with his family for another 17 years until the end of his life. And when he was dying, his request was to be buried in the promised land. So just that brief outline of Jacob's life takes us to our message today. We're going to concentrate on two wrestling matches. Not one, but two wrestling matches that Jacob had. How many of you know that he had two wrestling matches? So let's, let, let's go to chapter 32, Genesis chapter 32. So we're going to take a look at one of the wrestling matches that took place in the brook of, of Jabok, but we're going to take a closer look to one that took prior to the one that, that, that we mentioned earlier where that angel that was Jesus Christ appeared. So let's, let's begin there with verse 1 and 2. Jacob meets the angels of God. It says, so Jacob went on his way. He, he separated himself from his uncle, right? That's in the previous chapter. And then it says here, that the angels of God met him. When Jacob saw them, he said, this is God's camp. And he called the name of that place Ma'anaim. So what does that mean? It means two camps. And you know why there was two camps? Because God saw that he needed protection. So he sent angels in front of the whole group of people and cattle and, and, and sheep and everything that he had. So there was angels in front and angels in back. So that's why he called Manaim, double camp, double camp. So angels, even though they're higher beings than us, the Bible says that God has ordained them to be our servants. That's in, in Hebrews 1.14. And they serve God's people just like they served Jesus. Remember when Jesus went to the desert after his baptism and the angels served him? Well, the angels are here to serve us. Elisha's servant had his eyes opened when they were being attacked by the Syrian armies and he saw a tremendous host of angels surrounding them. Now listen to what Anna White says. This is incredible. This is in, in the great controversy. A guardian angel is appointed to every follower of Christ. These heavenly watchers shield the righteous from the power of the wicked one. This Satan himself recognized when he said, Doth Job fear God in vain? Has not thou made a hedge about him and about his house and about all that he hath on every side? So the agency by which God protects his people 
Uh, Ellen White continues explaining this. It's presented in the words of the psalmist. The angel of the Lord encampeth around about them that fear him and delivereth them. So, uh, listen to this. Saith the Savior, speaking of those that believe in him, take heed that ye despise not one of these little ones. For I say unto you that in heaven their angels do always behold the face of my Father. It's talking about the protection that God gives our children through the ministry of the angels. So the angels are appointed to minister to the children of God. And now listen to this. I love the way the paragraph ends. And to have access at all times to his presence. So through the angels, the ministry of the angels, we have access to the presence of God. Another, another quote that I found very interesting in Christ's object lesson says, We know not what results a day, an hour, or a moment may determine. And never should we begin the day without committing our ways to our Heavenly Father. His angels are appointed to watch over us, and we put ourselves under their guardianship. Then in every time of danger, they will be at our right hand. When unconsciously, we are in danger of exerting a wrong influence. The angels will be by our side, prompting us to a better course, choosing our words for us, and influencing our actions. So today I think we should say, like the kids said a while ago, thank you, God, for your angels. So here we have Jacob with his two bands of angels to take care of him, his family, and everything that he had. So this is a wonderful revelation of God's presence, of God's care for, for Jacob. But even though it was an exciting experience, it didn't last long. It didn't last long. Look, look at verse 3 and, and through 6. Jacob sends a message to Esau. Then Jacob sent messengers before him to Esau, his brother, in the land of Seir, the country of Edom. And he commanded them, saying, Speak thus to my Lord. Notice the word my Lord. In other words, where he put in his brother. Oh, he elevated a brother. And he says, thus says your servant. Okay, notice he chose his words very carefully. I have dwelt with Laban and stayed there until now. I have oxen, donkeys, flocks, male and female servants. I have sent to tell you, my Lord, that I may find favor in your sight. So maybe, maybe Jacob was boasting. No, he wasn't boasting. He wanted Esau to know that he was a man of wealth and he was not there to take anything away from his inheritance. That God had blessed him. Jacob was trying to anticipate his brother's thanking and to answer his concerns. But then the messengers returned to Jacob saying, We came to your brother Esau and he is coming to me too. But, he is coming to meet you with 400 men. Oh, now, now we have a problem. Now we have a problem. Because Jacob could not bring himself to thank the best of Esau. And of course, he had his reasons, you know, understandable reasons. He was convinced that these 400 men, the intention of these 400 men was to destroy his family and to kill him. He was convinced of that. So... That's when his faith failed. 
And he panicked. Have you ever panicked? When you're under a lot of a stress or a difficult situation? But worse than that, worse than the fear, was his guilt that started to hunt him again because of his past. Those sins that he had committed in the past. So his past started to hunt him. And I want to make a parenthesis here, very important. Have you ever felt fear or hopeless or guilt? Well, let me tell you this morning that fear, hopelessness, and guilt are emotions that will destroy your faith. You have to do something about it. Our past mistakes, our traumas of the past can literally stop us from growing in a saving relationship with God. These emotions must be confronted. And the only way that we can heal from these emotions is by the grace of God and His, His healing hand. That's the only way. So I'm here this morning to let you know that if you feel hopeless, if you're in fear of something, or if you feel guilty because of something that you, didn't, you did in the past, please, go to God with those emotions. Because if you don't, they will destroy you. They will destroy you. So in verse 7 and 8 it says, So Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed. And he divided the people that were with him, and the flock and the herds and the camels into two companies. And he said, If Israel comes to the one company and attacks it, then the other company might be able to escape. Now, remember that when he left Laban, his uncle, he didn't tell him he was leaving. So Laban was really upset because he was a really good asset for Laban. <laughs> you remember the story, you know. And so he goes with a militia after Jacob. But Jacob stands his ground and very firmly tells him that, he had to leave, that God has plans for him. And, you know, he spoke his mind, but he was not willing to do that with his brother. So I'm thinking, well, what's, 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 what's going on here? Well, when he made his arguments with his uncle, it's because he was right. But he knew that he had done his brother wrong. He had done his brother wrong. Jacob had just been delivered from Laban. But he was oppressed by another load. Look, look what uh, Spurgeon says. The dread of Esau was upon him. He had wronged his brother, and you cannot do a wrong without being hunted by it afterwards. I think that uh, what Shakespeare wrote was right. Conscience does make cowards of all of us. So Jacob had no strength before Esau, because of that guilt. And many Christians today cannot grow in their Christian walk with God because of that, of that guilt feeling, of the, the memory of their past, their failings of the past. So we got we to gotta know what to do with that. So let, let's just remember that before Jacob left home, his mom told him that once his brother calmed down, that he would get news. You remember that? Well... He never got news. He ne she never sent for Jacob. Therefore, he had reason to believe that his brother was going to kill him. That he was going to stick to his word. After 20 years, he was sure that 
his brother Esau was still angry with him. Now, Jacob had every reason to believe God would protect him. Because, remember, he had seen those angels? Two companies of angels were now doing human strategy, doing his own thing. He also divides everything he has in two companies, forgetting about the two companies of angels that were with him. That's what happens when we get afraid. That's what happens when we let these unhealthy emotions take control of us. So he had every reason to believe that God was going to protect him. But his great fear and distress took him to believe that God was not going to protect him. So this was not appropriate for someone that was under God's protection, obviously. So he divided the people that were with him, flocks, herds, camels, it says there, in two, in two companies. He should have trusted God. But then God, you know, God is so great because when we're doing things wrong and doing things our way, he always shows up anyway. That, that, that's what's so amazing about our God. I mean, we could be doing things the opposite of what God wants and still show up. So look, look what happens in verse 9 to 12. Once he understands his situation, that fear took him to pray. Look, look what it says here. <laughs> we're in verse uh, 9 to 12. Then Jacob said, Oh, God of my father Abraham and God of my father Isaac, the Lord who said to me, Return to your country and to your family and I will deal well with you. I am not worthy. Listen to this prayer. I think this is a model prayer. I am not worthy of the least of all the mercies and of all the truth which you have shown your servant. For I crossed over this Jordan with my staff. Remember when he fled as a fugitive? That's all he had was his staff. And, and, and the scholars say that the place that, that he wrestled, the angel that we we're going to be talking about later, was almost exactly the same place where he had crossed 20 years before. So here, here he is remembering his story. I crossed over this Jordan with my staff, and now I have become two companies. Deliver me, I pray, from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau. And I fear him, lest he come and attack me and the mother with the children. I, I want to pause there for a minute because in Hebrew it says, lest he come and attack me and the mother with the children. It's very graphic. Hebrew is a very graphic language. When it talks, it's, it's really painting a picture. It's saying the mother covering her children while she's being attacked. Okay? So imagine the scene if, if that was to go down. You know, the mothers would be trying to protect their kids as, as everyone, everyone is being killed. So... I fear him, lest he come and attack me and the mother with the children. For you said, I will surely treat you well and make your descendants as the sand of the sea, which cannot be numbered for the multitude. Now, remember, fear is a liar. Fear is a liar. And fear can take us to a situation where we distrust God. But here, look what God did. After reflecting in his fear and unbelief, Jacob did the right thing. He went to God in prayer. God motivated him. God touched his heart and he went to God in prayer. A good prayer. A humble prayer. A prayer full of faith, full of thanksgiving and God's word. So even though it's hard to believe, fear was a good thing. 
because fear led him to pray. Fear was good because it led him to review his life. Fear was good because it took him to embrace God's promises. To embrace God's promises. His prayer was based on what God had said. It was based on the word of God. God had bless him. He was going to take care of him. So, so listen to this. Many of our prayers fall short. And you know why? Because there is none of God's word within them. Sometimes we're praying, but we don't include God's words in our prayers. Often there is none of God's word in them because maybe there's little of God's word inside of us. That's why we have to study God's word, brothers and sisters. You have to be saturated with God's word. So then God can speak to you when you pray. Sometimes we think that prayer is about talking. No, prayer is about listening. It's not about asking. It's about receiving. Jacob remembered what the Lord had said to him, and he said to God, For you said, for you said. So God's promises are sure. We need to claim his promises. But we need to do that with humility. You know what he said in his prayer? I am not worthy. Because there, there's some Christians that does not misunderstand the term boldness for presumption. Because there's some people that claim God's promises with faith, and that's okay. But you can't claim God's promises just because you think you deserve it because you don't. We don't deserve anything from God. But when you're humble and you say, I'm not worth it, God, but you promised. So please fulfill your promise. That's the way we have to go about it. George Mueller, a great man of faith and prayer. You read his biography, incredible guy. They asked him once, what is the most important thing in prayer? And he said, the 15 minutes after I say amen. Now, now I'll, I'll, I'll try to explain this. Because... Jacob's prayer was a beautiful prayer. It was a model prayer. But what happened after he prayed shows us how weak his faith was. So you can pray beautiful prayers. But what your actions are after you say amen, that's where we're going to see what God is going to do through you and in you. After you say amen. His prayer was full of faith but did not act accordingly. So Jacob sends many gifts. Let's read 13 to 21. So he was there the same night and took what came to his hand as a present for Esau, his brother. 200 female goats and 20 male goats. Why, why, why less male than female? Because of the breeding process, right? So this is scientific. I mean, he was a very knowledgeable man about breeding. Remember his, his story with his uncle? <laughs> so he, he knew about this. So he knew exactly how much to give of each. 20 male goats, 200 ewes, and 20 rams, 30 milk camels with their colts, 40 cows, and 10 bulls, 20 female donkeys, and 10 fowls. Then he delivered them to the hand of his servants. Every drove by itself. And so, you know, he, they would go in, 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 in sections, you know. Uh, so he says, pass over before me and put some distance between successive droves. And he commanded the first one, saying, When Esau, my brother, meets you, and asks you, saying, To whom do you belong? And where are you going? Those 
are these in front of you? Who are these in front of you? Then you shall say, they are your servant Jacob's. It is a present sent to my Lord Esau. And behold, he also is behind us. So he commanded the second and the third and all who followed the drove saying, In this manner you shall speak to Esau when you find him. And say also, Behold, your servant Jacob is behind us. For he said, I will appease him with the present that goes before me. And afterward I will see his face. Perhaps he will accept me. So the present went on over before him, but he himself lodged that night in the camp. So here we have an, impress, an impressive gift, right? Because he wanted to do what? He wanted to make it very clear to Esau that he didn't need anything that he had. They was not going to take anything away from him. It was to appease him with this present. Perhaps he will accept me. Jacob seems to be a good example of a principle that is very dangerous. When everything else fails, then pray. When everything else fails, then pray. That is so dangerous, folks. That is so, so dangerous. Our lives should be a life of prayer, a life of a relationship with God. We should not use prayer as a crutch or as a last resort. As soon as he finished praying, he took up his own strategies again. After all, if Jacob really trusted God, why was he not in front? Why was he way in the back? Ask yourself that question. If he really trusted God, he would have been at the head of the procession to meet Esau, not in the back. Jo Jacob hoped, perhaps he will accept me. But in Jacob's mind, maybe he won't. <laughs> Jacob also thought perhaps he will kill me just like he said he would. Yes, it's a good model of prayer, a beautiful prayer, but the lack of faith in the actions that took place after his prayer is what should worry us. Now, this gift is a good example of the way we trust our own ability to do things and to make things happen. A lot of times we want to make things happen apart from God, without trusting God. There's a beautiful hymn that you guys and I sing. It says, all to Jesus, I surrender all to him, I freely give. I will ever love and trust him in his presence daily live. I surrender all, I surrender all, all to thee, my blessed Savior, I surrender all. Oh, but we, just like Jacob, mean I surrender all my goats. Yes. I surrender all my camels. I surrender all my sheep. So at this point, what Jacob was literally doing was refusing to surrender himself. He wasn't trusting in God's promise of protection. So in conclusion, I'd like to ask you guys a question. Do you think we need to learn to surrender? We need to learn to trust God. We need to stop wrestling against God and allow God to wrestle us. So 
so let's talk about the first wrestling match, okay? The first wrestling match had lasted Jacob's whole life. Okay, please follow me. It had lasted all of Jacob's life until this point. He had been wrestling against God. He had allowed his deceptions, his failures, his lies, his wrongdoing to govern his life. He had been wrestling God and had not learned to submit his will to God. So any resemblance to our reality might be mere coincidence or maybe not. Jacob had picked his fight with God for many, many years. Now it was God's turn to pick a fight with him. And if you want to know how that went down, please come next Sabbath. Because we're going to talk about that wrestling match where Jacob did not wrestle an angel. An angel wrestled Jacob. The text says, literally, that that stranger, that man, showed up and attacked him. So maybe you have never seen God as your enemy. Maybe it's about time. So if you want to know how that goes, make sure that you're here and we'll go to the creek of Jabbok and we'll see what happens. But for today, we need to thank God for the ministry of the angels. We need to say, God, please get rid of our negative emotions our fear, our hopelessness, our guilt trips. Help us to be more than overcomers. Destroy these feelings before they destroy us. Help us to trust your promises and not use prayer as a last resource. Please help us to stop picking fights with you, God. If you want to fight me, that's okay, but I don't want to fight you anymore. Let's stand up for prayer. Dear God, today we have spoken a little bit about Jacob, and Jacob resembles us in so many ways. We're just as messed up as he was. That's why we come to you this morning and say with earnest heart, with honesty, we are worthless. We don't deserve your grace and your love. We don't deserve your protection. We don't deserve your blessing. Yet, Lord, we cannot live without it. We cannot live without your blessing. We cannot live without your forgiveness. We cannot keep walking this Christian walk without the assurance that we have been forgiven and we are saved. So, God, this morning, we want to thank you for the ministry of the angels. We want to thank you because you can get rid of our traumas, our past, and you can heal us. But most than anything else, Lord, we just want to ask you to help us not pick fights with you anymore. Bless us, Lord. Thank you for loving us so much. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.